Hello and welcome to Finch Shots Daily. In today's episode, we talk about the great Dharavi makeover. Dharavi, the largest slum in the world, one million people cramped in just hundred thousand dilapidated homes, eighty people sharing a single toilet, and a slum housed in an area that's roughly the size of three hundred football fields. Dharavi. Where literacy rates go as high as sixty-nine percent, a place where entrepreneurship and business thrives, an area where the informal economy adds nearly one billion dollars to the Indian GDP, Dharavi is what you would call a paradox. However, that may not be the case for long, because Mumbai has had enough of the slum. Dharavi will soon be razed to the ground. The slum will likely be replaced by multi-story buildings, glamorous shopping malls, and glass-walled office buildings over the next seventeen years. Its residents will be given new homes. Wait, what? Yes, it is all part of an ambitious slum rehabilitation housing or SRH project that dates back to the nineties, and the Adani Group will be responsible for the twenty thousand crore rupee redevelopment project. But to understand what's happening here, we first need to understand. How a slum of such epic proportions emerged in the heart of India's financial capital. Okay, firstly, Dharavi wasn't always in the heart of Mumbai because Mumbai was different back in the day. Under the British East India Company, urban growth was mostly concentrated in the southern part of Bombay. Dharavi, meanwhile, was located at the northern tips, home to the Kohli fishing community. But as growth exploded in the 1800s, the British Raj expelled local residents and polluting factories away from the centre, all the way to Dharavi. As people began reclaiming the marshy lands, the original settlers moved away, making way for a new influx of people, mostly people working the tanneries and cotton mills. Employment opportunities rose. Rural migrants continued to find their way to Dharavi. Squatters lived side by side with the original lease owners, and the slum began to take shape. The British did not reinvest the proceeds of their plunder in improving the local infrastructure, and so the people were left to fend for themselves. No administrative support, no planning, and no investment. Even as the city redrew its borders to accommodate the rapid expansion, Dharavi remained where it was. By the mid 90s, Dharavi found itself sandwiched. Between the airport on one side and an international financial district on the other, now obviously the government wasn't too pleased with these developments. They didn't like the slums and they didn't like the fact that the people here lived on government land and they couldn't just raise it all down and leave people homeless. They had to find the middle path. So in 1995, the government of Maharashtra set up a committee and asked, "What can we do about the slums?" The committee studied the matter and said. We'll do in situ rehabilitation. The idea was to get a private builder to take over the slum. They would build multi-story apartments somewhere in this land and ask residents to relocate here, freeing up land and unlocking prime real estate. It was a no-brainer. So the government of Maharashtra created the Slum Redevelopment Authority, or the SRA, in 1995. They just needed 70% of the slum dwellers to agree, and they could absorb Dharavi into the scheme. But progress was slow, and while the government did float a tender in 2007 with 101 companies taking part, nothing came out of it. The legal problems were insurmountable. There was pushback from the residents too. You see, in 
the bmc or the brihan mumbai municipal corporation conducted a survey and found that only 37% of dharavi's residents could prove that they'd been living there for the stipulated tenure only they were eligible for new homes in the rehabilitation program the others weren't people feared that they would lose the only home they had even a state appointed experts committee called the project a sophisticated land grab they told the government to stop focusing on profits and look after the people who lived in dharavi instead and when things finally got moving in 2019 after a uae based developer won the bid the government came out and said oops we forgot to include railway land we have to do the tender process all over again there was a change in the government and the tender was scrapped so yes there was no makeover for dharavi and nobody really thought it would ever happen until now and it looks like adani will be the one who will finally get the ball rolling now on the face of it the new project seems like a good idea people will be able to get away from those cramped living spaces they will have a place to call their own it's the upward mobility that every indian seeks but there are things that we still need to iron out the head of the dharavi redevelopment committee says and we quote according to our state slum act any redevelopment requires people's participation in our case we weren't given a chance unquote he's saying no one in dharavi really knows what kind of housing and facilities they can expect they don't even know whether they'll be getting houses in the locality itself remember these are people with businesses in dharavi and 80% of the residents work in dharavi itself people are worried about how this will affect their lives and there's something else no one is talking about does slum rehabilitation housing or srh really create a better life well it's not quite straightforward after all what do we mean well dr ronita bardan a fellow at the university of cambridge conducted a survey of 1244 srh households in mumbai she found that many households were spending 40% of their incomes on electricity for the simple reason that ac ownership had risen drastically now if you're thinking that it's the people's fault for buying acs in mumbai well not so fast see the researcher set up temperature sensors within the houses and found that the insides were 10 degrees centigrade warmer than the outside people living here were forced to buy air conditioners and it's not just that in the slums people cook together in open spaces but now they were cooking individually in their own homes fuel consumption shoots up and eats away a good chunk of their income then there's the matter of health most developers do the bare minimum when it comes to these buildings they're not selling the properties they're rehabilitating and that's not where the money is so most apartments don't even have proper ventilation and when you cook indoors the particulate matter is trapped inside the house for an extended period as long as 2.5 hours and this can have harmful side effects also some of these srhs don't even get sunlight and they've become breeding grounds for tuberculosis a disease that india wants to eliminate by 2025 even mental health takes a toll for instance Researchers at the International Institute for Population Studies or IIPS found that 60% of people surveyed in SRHs across Mumbai reported feeling lonely. In slums, this number was just 17%. You can imagine that the social networks and close-knit communities are an essential part of these slums. So yes, maybe owning an apartment in a multi-story building isn't all that is made out to be. 
maybe the residents are right to be a bit apprehensive about their future. For now, we can only hope the same fate doesn't befall the people of Dharawi. We hope that redevelopment doesn't snatch away their lives and livelihoods. And we hope that it doesn't kill its flourishing $1 billion economy too. Progress is good, but hopefully it's done in a manner that's inclusive. Thank you for listening to today's episode. FinShots Daily is available on a bunch of streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Until next time. 